Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, May. Happy New Year. Hey, Kat. Happy New Year. How have you been? How was the holidays? It was nice. Uh, you know, uh, restricted celebrations, but nice nonetheless. Uh, it's been a while since we, we've done this, hasn't it? I know we haven't sat down and spoke in, I think, two weeks. I mean, we do talk personally, but we haven't sat down to do football chat with May and Kat in quite a while. So it's nice to be back. It is. And there has been a lot of football since the last time we spoke. So much football, some big weeks in fantasy, some controversies in the Premier League. I think we should just get straight into it. Okay. So I want to talk about what's going on at Chelsea and with uh, Frank Lampard. Please, let's talk about it. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Arsenal and what's going on with them that after a fair few losses and being off form and 15th in the table. And everyone's kind of been talking about, oh, will Arteta get sacked? A few weeks before that, people were talking about whether Ole was going to get sacked because... United were out of the Champions League. But it's only been, no one's really been talking about Lampard up until this week. Uh, and I think Lampard is probably the one who is at biggest risk of losing his job. Uh, Chelsea are in eighth position, which is good, is bad. I don't know how you want to look at it. But when you consider how much they spent over the summer, uh, they really should be doing better than that. Yeah. And it's just not happening. Like the players, I think some of them have settled in okay, but uh, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, they're, I mean, Havertz isn't even starting. Werner hasn't scored a goal in, I don't know, what is it, eight eight games or something? Uh, and I don't think Abramovich is is the kind of guy who will have patience for Lampard. I don't know. No. Here's the thing. Not only are Chelsea renowned for dropping managers like faster than any other club, I think the biggest issue here, or there are quite a few issues, to be honest, but it's all a matter of perspective. Obviously, this season comes with the context of COVID. It comes with the context of a pandemic that has put limitations on the ability of a player to be able to settle and train the, the way that they normally would. And I do think those things have had an impact on Chelsea, but you could say they've had an impact on every team. Um, when we look at the results of like Arsenal and Man U, a couple of weeks ago, I was slamming Man United and now they're doing extremely well. I do think... Equal first with Liverpool, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I didn't want to actually say it, but that's fine. <laughs> but Sorry, you have to throw them. It's okay, you can say it. But I think my point is things can change very quickly. And while I think all of this, the, the commentary around Lampard is so valid and necessary, 
the reality is they're not that many points behind fifth, fourth, third position. Things can change in a matter of weeks. That is true. And I mean, Arsenal have, what, I think gone now three games undefeated or have won their last three games after losing so many. Uh, So things can turn around quite quickly. Um, I think it's also, it's not, they've, they've hired Frank Lampard. It's a, a club legend. It's, it's someone who the fans are all very emotionally connected to when, when he had his, when he started last season, everyone who was a Chelsea supporter was really excited about seeing, seeing him, him come back as a manager and that that I guess would make it harder for people to to want to him to go, don't you think? I do, and I think people love the romantic idea of someone like Lampard succeeding as the manager of a club that he's a legend playing for. I can compare it to when Gerard, in my opinion, will eventually be the manager of Liverpool once maybe Klopp's period is done and dusted. And I think a lot of what Gerard is doing right now with the Rangers is actually just preparing himself to, to lead Liverpool. But when I think about that, I would expect nothing but success from a, a player who should understand the ins and outs of the team better than anyone else would. But at the end of the day, no one really knows what's going to happen. These guys were professional football players who turned into managers later in life. And so just because they were legends on the pitch, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're fit for that managerial role. While we love the idea of it, it does make you question whether or not it's the right thing to do, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, no, I don't think Lampard had that much time doing his time before he took over at Chelsea. I think he was only at Derby County for a year, maybe. I don't know too much about what he was doing before he joined Chelsea, but I've seen, yeah, like you said, Gerard's at Rangers. You see Ter- uh, Thierry Henry, who was assistant coach for, I think, Belgium, and then now he's coaching some team in Canada, I think. Uh, I even listened to a podcast where Timmy Cahill was talking about what he's doing in order to get to manager, I guess, status. And he's aware that he needs to do his time and do his uh, coaching levels and build up that experience. So it's not something, I don't, I don't know if Lampard's maybe had enough experience before he took over or if they just kind of went, well, it's it's Frank Lampard. Let's get him in. Um, I would say it's a combination of both of those. But I do think the issue, it goes beyond the fact that Lampard was brought in, you know, as almost a romantic gesture, especially for, for, for Chelsea fans. But I do think that he did such a good job during the transfer ban. Of yes, completely. Of using the talent that was available to the team of these young players, part of the academy, and great players came through. Like, look at Mason Mount, for example. He was amazing and he had a brilliant season under Lampard during that transfer ban. However, like you said earlier, the summer came around and they started spending big money. And I think what that's led to is actually an oversaturation of, 
of good players on the team to the point where Lampard doesn't even know who his best 11 are. And that shows because he's changing his squad on a weekly basis. We're not seeing players like Timo Werner, Havertz. They're not given the time on the pitch to actually build chemistry with each other. And I think we're, we're judging them week to week based on performance, but you and I both know from our own experiences playing the game, it takes weeks to settle and it takes weeks to learn how to play with other players. And especially when you've come from different parts of the world, I can only imagine how different the styles are. And the Premier League is probably the most demanding of all of the football leagues. So it's a big adjustment to make. And I just don't think that the time has been put in for these guys to actually get a rhythm on the pitch completely but then you go how long does it take to adjust is it a few weeks half a season a whole season uh, the team you see at Liverpool now or at Man City now they they took time to come together they, they didn't make all these signings and miraculously work together on day one uh, is is it fair to give these players a season a whole season to settle in uh, some people would say yes. The question is whether or not Abramovich would, would think a season is fair considering he's spent a big chunk of money. Correct. And I, I think we can all see him making a rash decision at some point. And really the question is how long do they have? Is it six months? Is it a year? We don't know. But I do think that that does, these things do add to the decline that we've seen in their performance. A, the fact that if you were on a team and you didn't know if you were going to be there in six to 12 months, do you have that same feeling when you're on the pitch? When you're under someone like Klopp or Guardiola, do you feel safer? Do you feel in like you're in a position to take more risks and shine as a player? I think the issue here with Chelsea is that Lampard doesn't know who his best 11 are. There's no one stepping up in the team to say, I'm going to lead the team because no one knows who's leading. No one even knows who's playing the next week. I think these things are really important because if you look at the top teams, Man City is a great leaders. Yeah. Man City is a great example of a team where, okay, Pep Roulette is a thing and you never really know who's going to play, but you can always guarantee that there are three or four players who are going to play and they're going to lead the team and they are that structure that every team every team needs and i think that's where chelsea really lacks right now because they've spent to the point where they have too many players to choose from and they've got great players for multiple of the same positions so it's it's like what do you do too much choice yeah. such a burden at the same time on a separate note uh, do you how do you think the the youth players would feel like if you're someone like Tammy Abrahams or Callum Hudson-Odoi and you're trying to come through with this team and then they go and make these big marquee signings uh, for someone who plays in the same position as you, you'd feel a little bit threatened, wouldn't you? I think Lampard did such a great job with these youth players last year that when he started making all these big signings over the summer, I had a moment where I thought to myself, oh, what's going to happen to Mason and Tammy? And, and you saw that they, they sent out a lot of their players on loan as well uh, 
to make room for these for the signings but the ones who have remained you you could imagine how it's making them feel absolutely and in my opinion i actually think someone like lampard would be drawn to playing the academy boys you know the ones that have been there forever but i think given the amount of money that he's spent there's a responsibility i suppose to play those new guys in a position where he might wish to play Tammy Abraham or Mount, he's probably feels more inclined to play a Werner or a Havertz or a Pulisic just to justify the transfers and, and the decisions that they've made over the past couple of seasons. Given the amount of investment as well, the pressure would be coming from high above, I think. Definitely. And I think that that at the end of the day is, is the question is how long will Abramovich give Lampard? Because we all know that Chelsea have not been very forgiving with managers in the past. I think if anything, the Chelsea fans are the hardest on their team. It's like any fan base. When things are going wrong with Liverpool, it's the Liverpool fans who care the most. Likewise with Crystal Palace. And Lampard is obviously a lot of flack for the decisions that he's making. But I think his solution is honestly to to make a decision on his best 11 and let them play until they develop chemistry because I think the way that he's structuring the team at this point in time is not allowing the team to actually develop and it's not allowing the players to develop chemistry with each other. And that's a huge, huge, huge issue, I think, and that's something, as I said before, we see in every team Chemistry is key because the players need to understand one another in order to succeed. Who do you think has been the most successful signing most recently? At Chelsea. At Chelsea. I think Chilwell has probably settled in the best and has had the most impact. Uh, But again, Chilwell came from, from another Premier League club and language settling in to the, the country and, and the Premier League isn't an issue for him, or isn't isn't as much of an issue for him. Language definitely not an issue, uh, but uh, I think he's had obviously the player who was closest to what he was getting into, so it would have been the easiest for him to settle in. I agree with you, and I think Chilwell is a great signing because he's young and. In terms of longevity, I think he's got a lot to give the club. And you're right, context is so important. When you look at the fact that he came from another Premier League club and the fact that he's English, it means that he's settled so much faster. And he also probably understands the English game a little better. So he had more of an idea of what to expect. And I, it's normal to take time to adjust, but I think the Chilwell time period is probably the more acceptable period, especially when you're a professional player. That's what people expect from you, which is probably why Werner and Havertz and that are copying so much slack, but it is what it is. And I guess things could change, you know, in three to four weeks, who knows? Yeah. And I I think when there's a lot of pressure on you, you can either crumble or you can really... Yeah, you can. Pressure pressure helps a lot of people or it makes some people crumble. Um, I mean, a few, like we said, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Arsenal 
possibly being relegated and they've won three games in a row, which, I mean, they've still got a long way to go. They're still in the second half of the table, but it's, it's a good start. And I saw like, Arteta said in an interview that they need to get one goal and then it'll boost their confidence and they'll keep going. And now that they've won a game, they, they are doing much better in terms of their confidence. And this is probably something that Chelsea need as well. I could imagine the pressure on Werner to score goals when he hasn't scored in cool. however many games. Uh, and it, that kind of pressure can definitely damage uh, how you play um, and affect your confidence. I think it, Jamie Carragher actually always uses the, he describes it as they're under a spell or they're going through a spell. And I think it's so true. You often see strikers go through these moments, but in my opinion, it's because they're in a position where their success is measured through something so quantifiable. It's a goal. Whereas if you're a defender or a creative midfielder, you don't have that pressure to score the way that you do, or your success can't be measured the same way that it can for a forward. So I think that can impact performance as well but other players going through that kind of spell would be your Manes or your Firmino's or I mean look at Vardy he's had a couple of good games but in comparison to previous seasons he's definitely not flying the way that he was yeah and and like you you mentioned Firmino and people have been there have been a lot of people going on about Firmino not being up to scratch and not being on form and then he turns around and and scores a few really great goals back to back in two games Uh, so it is very much these they have form and sometimes they're in form sometimes they're not no one can score in every single game they play in exactly I've been through it myself I'd like to think that I went through a spell in my my, my most recent season sometimes it's just not there. Like whatever it is, whatever it is that takes the ball from your foot into the back of the net, it just doesn't connect the way that it it does on other days. And it's kind of humbling, I guess, for these guys to see that they're not invincible and that any, like any job, you can make mistakes and you need to work and progress and train and do everything in order to improve again. But it's definitely an interesting season. I think context is really, really important this year more than ever because it has impacted performance so much. And when you look at the way that the table is constantly changing and the order of teams and performance, it's pretty whack, to be honest. Yeah, and like you said before, there's only a number of points between, I think, the top 10. So it can change a couple of good games for one team and a couple of bad games for another and, and the table will change completely. You asked me before what I thought of Chelsea's summer transfers, but now that we're in January, it's winter transfer season. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of rumours flying around. One of them being Mo Salah uh, might be leaving Liverpool. First of all, how do you feel about that cat? And secondly, if he went... I want to know who you think would be a good enough replacement for him. I am quite opinionated on the Mo Salah move, I suppose, because I'm obviously very aware of Liverpool movements. 
but I'd like to throw a spanner in the works and just say that given he has, I think two and a half years left on his contract or, or something along those lines and the likelihood of him being sold in the transfer window before the conclusion of that, to me, not super likely. And my reasoning for that is less about Mo Salah and more about the fact that the teams that would look to buy him, like Barcelona and Real Madrid, they're not exactly in their best form. Um, and so I feel like for someone like Salah, they, they're chasing the wins and they're chasing that, whether it be Champions League or, you know, the the League Cup of of wherever they're playing. I just think someone like Salah, as he, because he plays so independently, is going to be looking for the results. And so I am not as threatened by a club like Barcelona at this point in time in terms of buying Salah because I think at the end of the day, Salah's very independent and he'll go wherever the results are going to follow him. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. He He's always, I mean, people do refer to him as a bit of a selfish player in, in the sense that, yes, he's focused on, on winning, uh, so he should be. So I can see why Barcelona might not have the allure of what it had a few years ago. Maybe, you know, an Atletico Madrid or a Real Madrid would be more likely, but that's not really what the, the comp, that's not the dialogue that we're hearing. That's not the conversation that's being had. So I am definitely curious to see what happens, but I'm also not scared of Salah leaving the team. I think he's brilliant, but I think a team like Liverpool is always going to attract top-notch players. The, the real thing that we need to do is find them at a point where they can really flourish and peak with Liverpool, which leads me to your second question. And I could think so hard about this because there are so many young up and coming players who would be great, I think. But one of my favorite players of the last 12 months is Kingsley Coman from Bayern. And he's had a slower season. All his, his last six months have been slower but in that 2019-2020 season when they won the Champions League Komen was brilliant his work on the ball is stunning I, I love watching him play and obviously Lewandowski would be a great person to play alongside with I just think together they're beautiful and so if I could be if I could choose a hypothetical player to take someone's to take Sulla's place. I'd love to see someone like Komen in there. I think I've, I'm a low-key fan of Bayern and I think they produce brilliant players, really skillful players. Definitely do. And they're one of the best teams right now as well. So it's, I think you could, you could snap up a good player from Bayern. There's always going to be contention around Mbappe, Haaland, and Sufati, like these are all brilliant young players that I would love, love, love to see in the Premier League. But they're flourishing where they are. So I think let's let them continue to do that. I would love to see them in the Premier League, but we'll have to wait and see if that happens. I think it would take a lot of money to get Mbappe away from PSG. A lot of money. 
Do you have any up and coming plays that you're watching closely or any that you really like to watch? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call him up and coming anymore because I think his success has been quite uh, well talked about. But uh, Harland, uh, I think, is is fantastic. And he's someone who I would love to see come to the Premier League. Uh, Manchester United have tried to sign him uh, before he went to Dortmund. But there's always always rumours about about him being signed even so shortly after he 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 moved to where he is. I really like the idea. His his father played for Leeds, and he has said before that he would want to help Leeds win the Premier League. And uh, call me call me sappy and sentimental, but I really like the idea of him joining Leeds and taking them back to the top. Uh, but whether or not that actually happens, uh, we'll, we'll have to see because he's he's producing. He's a great player and uh, it might not be the career move he wants to make right now. Absolutely. Just shouting out like Kamavinga, Esposito, um, even Alfonso Davies. I follow him on TikTok of all places. He's so funny. <laughs> he's such a good player. There's all these young guys coming through that are relatively well-known, but I think it's going to be really exciting to see what happens with them over the next couple of seasons and where they go. I know for football managers or people that play football manager or similar, these are the kinds of players that they're talking about, which is really cool. But like you said before, we will just have to wait and see. And that seems to be the case with just about everything because we are in a very unpredictable period of existence. And so no one really knows what's happening with anything. But No, not at all. Can't even, can't even plan a week ahead these days. So No, you can't. Before we finish up today, let's just chat quickly about our fantasy plans. The deadline is next week on, on Wednesday. So well, my time. Let's quickly chat through what are you thinking? Because it's a weird one, week 18. Yeah, half the teams have blanks and then the following week most of the teams have a double game week. So I'm I am gonna play my free hit in week eighteen. I've arranged my team so that majority of my players have a double game week in week nineteen and then I'll I'll do the free hit in eighteen, which is this week. Uh and I will probably spend a considerable amount of time over the next few days playing around with what my team will look like this week. Um, probably will have a fair few, well, I mean a fair few, three, uh, maximum three Spurs players. Um, maybe uh, United against Burnley looks pretty good. So I'll bring in a few United players as well. And then I have to see who else I'm going to put in. Half my team are injured nowadays, so there needs to be some some movements anyway. Jeez. I'm doing the exact same thing, mate. I'm using my free hit and I'm aiming to have a squad that is predominantly Spurs and Man United, Man City. And then seeing what I can do with my monies because... It's in times like this where you you always get excited with a free hit or a wild card and you just kind of want everyone. But obviously we have our limitations. So we'll see how we go. But currently I've got the likes of De Bruyne, Son, Fernandez um, and Kane. So I'm working around those guys. 
And with so many players on a double game week in uh, the following week, are you planning on using any wild cards, uh, like a triple captain or a bench boost? I'm considering the triple captain. It'll probably depend on the outcome of the next week. I think as we just discussed every week, something happens, whether it's an injury or someone gets COVID. And so I don't want to make any decisions for my future self, but I think using the triple captain in the double game week is almost crucial to keep up with everyone because it tends to be the week that everyone uses it. I was quite set on using my triple captain in the double game week, but with so many games being called off, I mean, the UK is rife with COVID right now. Uh, part of me is thinking maybe I should hold off because I, you don't want to triple captain Mo Salah and then everyone at Liverpool has COVID and all their games get postponed. Uh, so I'm, I was kind of set on that and now I'm having second thoughts, but we'll see how I feel next week. Let's see how we go. Anyway, good luck, May. We'll chat a bit, I'm sure, before the deadline, but anyone listening, good luck with your fantasy teams and all the best to Lampard. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 